all the trouble in the world that we're faced with at any moment in our journey, we find the greatest hope is in the precious grace of God through salvation through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. There is no other way. He's the only way to life and life more abundantly. If you've tried any other way, and my prayer is today that you'll begin to consider as he's reaching out through so many channels today to reveal himself and his love and his grace to you. And that's our prayer today. I want to share with you for a few moments from the Word of God. If you have your Bibles there handy, get everybody there with you in your living rooms and, and be prepared as we get ready to receive the Word of God. A Word that God really placed in my spirit. You know, we're living, we're living in a grace period and we have been living in the grace period since the cross of Calvary. God's grace has always been available to those who would seek it. But God laid that particular phrase in my spirit. And then he began to carry me to the book of Genesis chapter 50. If you'll turn there with me, Genesis chapter 50. I want to read one verse of scripture found there, but while you're turning to that chapter, grace is a, the grace period is a period of which any circumstance can be altered. Now I may seem a little hard today as I get into this, but I promise you I'm just preaching what God has given me. And I'm doing it with the most love that I have. Not only for my Lord and Savior, but for His love for humanity. A grace period is a period which any circumstance can be altered. Keep that in mind as we go through this message today. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Bible said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I want to preach from this thought, the grace period. I believe now more than ever before is a good time when God sets the stage in the world not to lose the opportunity to share the greatest message that you could ever hear. And God has set the stage. He's, he is setting the stage even now. There's so many churches that are going online and they're, they're getting the message out. The stage is being set today. And I've prayed and my prayer is that God will not let us lose the opportunity to preach his word with faith and courage. And today my heart is that it will touch your life and change you in a very special way by his wonderful love and grace. Father, we love you. God, we ask you to hide me behind the cross of Calvary. For I'm nothing. Lord, I pray that you would take your word today and that you would allow it to go forth into the hearts of each and every one in their living rooms, wherever they may be watching by. 
God, I pray that they would just begin to surrender themselves to you in this moment. Lord, every man, woman, boy, and girl, those father of the faith and those God that you desire to bring into the fold today, Father, speak to all who will have an ear and will turn and listen to your voice speaking to their heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we begin to look in Genesis chapter 50, we're reminded of the story of Joseph. And we're reminded of the story of his brothers. These two particular narratives today, I want to kind of look into as we go along. But I want to share with you three things that God spoke to me concerning the grace period today, taken from this very text. See, we've got to remember as Joseph uh, came into existence and he was living there with his father and his brothers and dwelling. The Bible said Joseph's brothers were jealous of him and they hated him. And according to the word of God, they began to figure out a way that they could get rid of Joseph. Uh, his father had loved him so much, had a coat of many colors made for him. And they took that coat of many colors off of him and threw him in a pit. And they began to try to decide what they were going to do. And ultimately they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites then sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar then sold him or had him thrown into prison because of his wife who accused Joseph of things that he had not done. Yet through all this adversity this morning, I don't want to go into each particular that I'm sharing with you, but I, I want to take you to a place of importance. Through all the adversity that Joseph faced, he saw the Lord bless him. I want to tell you today that Joseph continued to put his faith and his trust in God. He was thrown in a pit. He kept his faith in God. He was sold to the Ishmaelites. He kept his faith in God. You can't tell me that it didn't bother him, that his brothers turned on him, that it didn't bother him, that he was going through these things. He's human just like we are. He was not some supernatural superman, but he had a great faith in God because the Lord had spoken to him and he was holding on to a vision. And through that dream and that vision that was given him, he found his faith resting in the Lord. Surely it had to be painful, but he kept on pressing forward knowing that God was going to see him through. And through all this, he prospered. God raised Joseph up in spite of the challenges today. And because of God's favor on Joseph, uh, Pharaoh made him ruler, second in command over all his people. So I want to tell you, God knows how to get you where he wants to take you. Amen. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You need to know that God knows how to take you where he desires to get you. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, you may have to go through some bumpy roads and through some storms. But I promise you that God knows how to get you where he's trying to take you. In the midst of adversity, it can't stop God. God's purpose for your 
your life has not been sidetracked by adversity. It's not been sidetracked by a virus or executive orders or laws. I'm telling you, God's still God today. He was God when Joseph was in the pit. He was God when Joseph was in, in the Ishmaelites' uh, uh, care. He was God uh, when he was sold uh, into Potiphar's house. He was God when Potiphar's wife uh, was trying to trick him and, and trying to, to take advantage of him. He was still God. He was God when he was thrown in the prison. And he was God who raised him up through all the storms and brought him into the purpose which God had for Joseph. Touch somebody in your living room right now and say, don't you give up. God's still God. He's going to get you where he's going to take you if you'll trust in him through the grace period. I'm telling you, I believe that's what God spoke to my heart more than ever before. This time that we've never seen in America or the reaction that we've never seen from our political leadership. It's not that we haven't seen pandemics before. It's not that we haven't seen sickness before. I mean, people are dying from the flu every year. But the fact is that the reaction that we've gotten and a lot of the things that's happened and why it's happened and the scientific uh, uh, reasoning behind all of this, yes, it's something we should uh, use wisdom and, and, and take, uh, uh, take uh, uh, those steps and measures by wisdom. But I want to tell you this, I believe more than ever before, it's a time where God has allowed adversity to come not only to America but all over the world in certain places to set the stage for the grace of God to be noticed. Amen. I believe God wants you to see his love. He wants you to see his grace in such times as these. In the midst of all this, we find him second in command because the king valued, Pharaoh valued the words of Joseph who had interpreted the dreams and had prophesied what would come to pass. And as he began to put his faith in the words of God through Joseph, we find that the insight that Joseph had was simply the blessing of God to position him. I want to tell you your insight from God is important. Amen. The insight from God, counsel, being able to discern, it's very important because it helps us to walk in the paths that position us. Joseph's brothers did not know what happened to him after they sold him into slavery. They never, never kept up with him. They, they went home and said that an animal must have destroyed him and, and brought home a bloody, a bloody coat of many colors and, and laid it to rest in the father's mind that Joseph was dead. They never knew what happened to him after they sold him. And now famine had hit the land. We talk about the rise of Joseph through adversity. We talk about how good God is in the midst of troubled times and how he has the power to sustain us and to raise us up above all the ashes of despair, of trials and tribulations. We talk about the rise of the church today through adversity. That's what we're hearing. It's time for the church to rise. It's time for the church to be the church. Absolutely. I believe that with all my heart today. Glory to God. And this is in 
important. It's important that we see God's hand moving in Joseph's life through adversity and it's important that we understand that God wants to raise the church through adversity. But I want to share with you about the grace period that we're in right now. A season where God is looking for folks that would begin to look to him and experience the grace that he has and desires to, to, to position in their life. We all desire God's grace, especially in troubled times. I don't believe that even the, those that don't know the Lord as Savior would sit back and refuse the grace of God's hand. If they're hungry, I believe if God provided them something to eat, they'd accept that. If they were thirsty, I believe if God provided a, a drink, they'd accept that. If they were looking for financial uh, uh, means of, uh, of needs to be met and God by his grace moved in their capacity and life and provided it, I believe they'd be thankful for it today. I don't believe there's a man, woman, boy, and girl who wouldn't look to the grace of God in time of need. But there's something that's happening in the midst of the season that we're dealing with. And I want to share with you those things that God has poured into my spirit. We long for his grace in troubled times. We long for his unmerited favor. Even though we didn't do anything to deserve it, God wants to give it to us anyway. Even though we didn't do everything right, we fell flat on our face. We fell short of the glory of God. God said, I still want to give you my unmerited favor. It's a grace period. It's a time in which anything can change by the grace of I feel like I got a thousand up in here and everywhere across the world right now. I believe that it's a season today that God is revealing unto us. Oh, glory to God that he will desire to bless you with his unmerited favor. All he wants you to do is begin to look up and quit looking back at whether you met the standard or not or whether you, you, you fit the bill or not or whether you deserve it or not. God said, I didn't come to put my finger on those who deserved it. I come to put my finger on those who would surrender and receive my grace today. And this is a wonderful expression of hope in the midst of a grace period. In a grace period, God began to speak to my spirit yesterday. He carried me to the due date of one of my vehicles. And then he began to show me that grace period. All the way to the end after that, that grace period was over with. You had to pay the penalty when that grace period was over with. And he said, son, anything could happen in that grace period. You can either pay your bill or you can, you can reject it. But in the end, you're going to have to pay the penalty. And I begin to rejoice in God and say, Lord, thank you for the seasons and time. Can I tell somebody today, amen, that there are some of us, I can't tell who you are. God knows it may be you. Oh, but he's speaking to all of us. Today, we're in a grace period. None of us know when this grace period is going to end. But God said anything can happen in this grace period. 
Your life can be changed. Yes, you may have had a rough time. You may have gone through some hell in your life. But I'm telling you, he's a God of Joseph. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's your God today. He's a God of the lost. Even though they don't, they don't accept him and they don't confess him, he's God of all. Amen today. And we must understand that anything can happen in the midst of whatever you may be going through. Anything can happen in the midst of your trouble and in your struggle when it comes to the grace of God. How you respond to him is going to determine whether you accept and whether you receive his grace and the glory of his grace or not. Joseph, the grace period was a result of God moving. See, the Hebrew word for grace is chin. C-H-E-N. That Hebrew word is defined as is to bend or to stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. How many feel, amen, the superiority of God's presence in your life today? Knowing this, that when God looks upon our inferiority, he, he stoops down and bends down in a level to say, I want to be kind to you. God's looking to show kindness to his people. He's looking to show kindness to a lost and dying world. We were talking about just a while ago how that many have been praying for revival and many have been praying, dear God, for God to sweep across this nation. And I believe that God has gotten the attention of every state, of every, every place upon the, the, the United States and then some. He's got the attention of the world right now. And in the midst of all this, God is saying, I don't want you to die in sickness. I don't desire that you go through the suffering of economic struggle. I don't desire that you that you find yourself struggling in relationships and, and you're dealing with that. What I want to do is bring you to a place where my kindness becomes the centerpiece of what you experience in my life, in your life. This is what God wants to do. He wants his kindness to be the centerpiece of the very experience we have in the midst of our circumstances. How can I keep praising him and have peace in the midst of all this? Because it does not matter what happens in this life. It doesn't matter if disease comes. It doesn't matter if you lose everything you got. It doesn't matter if you don't have those shoes on your feet. If you got Jesus, you got everything you need today. This is the truth of it all. How can you continue to praise God in the midst of the storm? Because he stoops down by his wonderful grace and he begins to show kindness to us. And those who respond get to experience that wonderful grace. His brothers hated him, but God stooped down. When they threw him in the pit, God stooped down and showed him kindness. Potiphar didn't believe him when his wife lied on him, but God stooped down. 
Everywhere he went, God showed kindness to him. How many today would, would give God thanks and praise in your living rooms today, wherever you're walk, watching from, for the kindness of God and the goodness of God, David said, that endures to all generations. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Not forsaken. Not forsaken. I ain't a broke record. I come to tell somebody, you're not forsaken today. You cast down, but you're not destroyed. Dear God, today thank him for his kindness that keeps us in the midst of adversity. The first thing about the grace period, I want to share with you quickly, the first thing about the grace period is God will stoop down to raise you up. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 3, the word said, Strengthen ye the weak hands and steady those shaken knees. Say to them that are fearful in heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. In the book of Isaiah, we began to hear words of encouragement and steadiness. I come to tell somebody, be steady and get ready. Amen. Be steady and get ready because the word declares that we should put our faith in God in such a way that we begin to strengthen, amen, to the Lord, those feeble hands and steady those knees and get ready to see the hand of God move in our life. I'm telling you, I'd seek God today with everything in my spirit before I salt my next glass of water. I'd seek him before I salt my next meal if I didn't have him. I'd seek him before I sought anything else in this life if I didn't have him. Because he in your life will be the fountain that every need will be supplied through him in your life. Strengthen those hands. I found him to be a good God in the midst of terrible times. I found him to be a, a, a faithful God in the midst of perilous times. I found him to be a God who will protect you. I found him to be a God who will swoop down in the periods of trouble. And the grace period is, is, is enacted. And God begins to disperse that grace in my life. I can't tell you the many times that I've had, had hell raging in my life but then thank God almighty the grace period was enacted in my life and God came in and he began to move hallelujah and he changed the circumstance that's why I praise him in the midst of it all because I found him to be a faithful God amen it may look like sometimes things are about to fall apart in trials, but thank God for the grace period enacted in our life that when we respond to him, oh glory, the grace of God overflows in our life. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and he hears their cry. 
Just as Joseph was in need of a rescue, we're in need of rescue today. How does the, 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 you know that we're going to get through it? Because as I said before, I'm serving a God that is not, not moved uh, into places of darkness and lack of knowledge. He knows it all. Amen. He's a God of light. He's a God of hope. He's a God of power. He's a God of strength. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God that will take you from your struggle. Amen. And raise you up and get you through it. On the other side, you'll look back and begin to realize the value of your relationship with God. I'd rather be on a limb with God and that limb was about to break than I'd be in a crowd of unbelievers who rejected his authority and his power. Give me God, the one who gave me life and the one who'll take it from me. Give me this life. Preacher, you sound angry. No, I'm not angry. This is how important the message is. We want to be religiously correct, politically correct, or be just as simple as I know how to be. We're in a grace period, and God is able to raise you up in the midst of this grace period. This grace comes to steady you through the storm. It comes, hallelujah, to keep you. Those of you who are children of God, God told me to remind you today just to continue to trust in the grace that steadies you. What does that mean? That means everything's falling apart around us. Somebody said the church is closed up. Nah, the church hadn't closed up. We hadn't, hadn't been able to, to have services like we want to. But the church is still alive and well. We're still here. We're still pressing on. I like one, what, what one person said the other day. said the church, the church has not left. They've just deployed. But in the midst of all this, God is, is carrying us by grace into a place where he's raising the church up. Like he did for Joseph. He positioned him. I want to go ahead and tell you, he, he hadn't positioned, positioned pastors to become TV evangelists alone. This ain't, this ain't the purpose of all this. God ain't sweeping down to, 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 to make somebody famous. In the grace period of God, he is wanting to raise the church up. Not one man, not one woman, not one boy, one girl. He wants to collectively raise the church up. And he's going to do just that. He's doing just that. In the end of all this, what we see happening is 
We see a people who are saying, wow, the church has finally left the building. They're finally doing something, which is an indication they thought we wasn't doing anything. Amen. I'm not talking about SPHC. I'm talking about churches in general. See, the world thought we wasn't doing anything. They thought we were just coming to church on Sunday. Sunday night, Wednesday night, taking up money, taking up offering, singing a few songs, listening to a preacher preach, and going home. A lot of folk thought that's what was happening. They didn't realize there was real ministry that was taking place outside the walls of the church. And now, more churches than ever before, who maybe even have fallen under that category, have found themselves seeing what it's all about. But in the midst of going outside, we should never forsake the importance of being able to come back here again and join as the children of God to give him praise and glory in the midst of it all. Amen. We don't need people to take opportunity to destroy the, the blessing of gathering in the house of God on the Lord's day. Now that's a hard statement. That's a hard statement. I'm going to tell you something. We need this. And we need to be out there working too. We need it all. And God is positioning us to do just that. Not only through online services, many are going to be able to, to get the gospel out in greater avenues than ever before. But also loving our fellow man, again, the way God has called us to love them. Caring for them. Being concerned for them. Being there for them. Reaching out to a community that is lost and dying and hurting. Not just the preacher or the leadership, but every part of the body of Christ to engaging in true ministry. God is positioning us to make a difference. He's raising us up as he raised Joseph. And then number two, not only will God stoop down in his chin grace to raise you up, but he will stoop down to wake up the sleeping. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 the Bible said awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light oh how many have fallen asleep today on the pillars of religion they've fallen asleep today on the pillars of religion rather than soar high on the wings of relationship with God help us today. Adversity is now for many an awakening. Trouble is an awakening. It's an opportunity for us to see the hand of God, the kindness of God. God doesn't just come to lift you. He comes to wake you up. For Joseph's brothers, famine had caused them uh, uh, to address their sin against Joseph and their own lives. Famine was coming. And, and in the midst of famine, it was a wake-up call for them to do something that for years they haven't done. 
They threw his brother in a, threw their brother in a pit. They told their daddy was dead. Now he's in, in Egypt. He's a second in command under Pharaoh. And they begin to find that famine has come into the land. And the only place they can go is Egypt. In the midst of all this that was happening, this famine was there for a purpose. It caused needs to be met. I want to tell you that needs are going to be met that have not been met before by the church because of what's happening today. Give God glory in your homes. It will. It'll also be a wake-up call to people that have fallen asleep on the pillars of religion. That it became more about them than it did God. And they fell asleep in me, me, me. Instead of rising up in Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God help us to understand that when seasons like this come, not only will God stoop down, uh, amen, to raise up uh, the righteous and sustain them, he comes to wake up those uh, who've fallen asleep uh, and those who don't know Christ as Savior. For Joseph's brothers, they kept living for years and years with the sin of what they had done. They kept pushing the envelope of compromise. They kept pushing the envelope of complacency. God's grace allows trials to become wake-up calls today. Oh, dear God, help us to understand that countless people have been saved throughout generations simply because a trial came and God woke them up. God woke them up. Ooh. His old song said, I'd rather be in a deep, dark grave and know that my poor soul was saved than to live in this world in a house of gold and deny my God and lose my soul. Oh, today help us understand that countless people have been saved when trials came because God woke them up from their sleep. He woke them from their sinless lifestyle or sinful lifestyles. He woke them from their backslidden conditions. He woke them from their, from their rest in the, the elements of, of worldliness. God knows how to wake up a generation. Buddha can't do it. <laughs> There's no God that's ever been worshipped besides the Most High that has the power to wake up the sleeping spiritually. Hallelujah. God help us. The church by location. Everywhere there is a church on every corner that God has established could be a growing church if folks would wake up. They could be a powerful church if folks would wake up. They could soar higher 
and shine brighter if folks would wake up. I'm telling you today we could have the best church, better church every day of our lives as we grow in the grace of God. If we, amen, would sound aloud and be the examples of the wake up call of God in the midst of adversity because we're in a trial, we're in a crisis and we don't have time to pat you on the back and tell you everything's going to be all right. Amen to God. We can't do that. I promise promise you it's going to be all right for those who know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. But for those who don't know him, you need to wake up. People could have stable homes. Somebody talking about domestic violence is, is a problem because Husbands and wives today who hardly really get to spend that much time with each other. They send their kids to school. They go to work. If their kids are out during the summer, they have somebody watching them. So, so the only time they get is the home time. But now that some of them are, are, are being given a stay-at-home order, they're having to stay home and be with each other more than they've ever been. And, 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 and some of the people were saying today, we need to pray for them because, uh, this week, we need to pray for them because domestic violence is on the increase. I'm telling you, we need to wake up to the hand of God's grace. People can have stable homes. You don't have to have homes full of domestic violence. You don't have to have homes full of hatred. If you have those kind of homes, sometimes you feel like you don't know how to change that. I tell you how to change it. Find stability in God and His grace. Children could be saved if we again had people waking up and not depending on the school system to raise our children alone, but to raise our children as mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers. Wake up and be the church. Wives could be saved. Abortions could stop. If people would wake up, immorality could be crushed if people would wake up. Righteousness would prevail if people would wake up. And in the end, righteousness will prevail. In the grace period today, we got to understand that God is looking to raise up those who will look up. He'll raise up those that are righteous and those that are, are living for him. And he'll also raise up those who are asleep, who when you respond to him, will allow him to have control over your life and to be your God and to be your Lord and to lead you. He'll raise you up. What is the hope we have? It's not in a vaccine. It's in the cross. Only hope we have is not, I'm telling you what, I was talking with somebody yesterday, a dear brother. He said, it don't bother me. He said, I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want my family sick. He said, but if I get sick and I die from, from this coronavirus, I'm saved. I said, you can't have a better vaccine than the blood of Jesus. <laughs> it is the greatest hope we have. 
You can die crippled. You can die in sickness. You can die broken. But you better not die without Jesus in your heart. You better not die without God's grace and his kindness being the centerpiece of your life. Embraced by the very repentant heart inside of you. Not only will God raise you up, God will wake you up. And in the end, God will take you up. Oh, dear God, looking for that glorious day of the return of the Lord. In every generation we've had seasons where trials would come to capitalize on the, the season of grace and the grace period. I'm telling you today, more than ever before, what do we need to see? We need to see God's grace in this. We need to see God's grace. Those who are, are saved, hold on to God's grace. Those who are sleeping in the Lord, maybe you're lost, maybe you're, you're backslid, whatever the case may be, you, you need to wake up to the grace of God. There's so many people out there preaching prosperity and a gospel that appeases the very soul. Well, what you going to do with your money now? All the money in the world can't buy you peace. All the money in the world can't buy you a healing. All the money in the world can't sustain you. You can't do it. I believe in prosperity too, as your soul prospers. Do I want to be bled? Absolutely. But I don't want my prosperity in this world to overtake my prosperity through Christ. And through knowing who I am and trusting in his provision today, let me encourage you. Don't go to sleep on God. And don't turn away from this wonderful grace. You're in your living room today. Maybe you're watching by phone wherever you're at today. And God's speaking to you just to let you know, hey, I'm here. I love you. I have not turned my back on you. You've walked away from me, but I'm here. And through this season, I have reached out to you in grace. And I want to change your life. And if that's you, wherever you're at right now, I want you to just reach up to heaven, lift your hand. You say, preacher, I don't have to lift my hand. Why not? Lift your hand as a sign of surrender unto God right there in your living room. I promise you it's freeing. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful act of grace that God bestows to the surrendered. Those who are looking up, Father, change me. For those of you who, who need the Lord to save you right now, he loves you. And he is, hallelujah. He is saying, come unto me, all ye who labor to heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And all you got to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I'm undone without you. But God, I need your grace. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe you sent him to die for me. I believe you sent him to save the world from their sin. And Lord, I'm a sinner and I need that grace poured out in my life. Lord, I surrender it to you today. I turn from my sin. 
Glory to God. Lord, cleanse me in the blood. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried. He's resurrected and he ascends into the right hand of the Father. And Lord, I receive him as my Savior today. He is my Lord today. God, I pray that many have prayed that. Lord, there's that simple prayer. Lord, that you have woken those that are sleeping. God, that you have encouraged the righteous today. And that you're preparing every man, woman, boy, and girl by the grace of God through this grace period to prepare for the final act of grace in this life where you stoop down and you by grace take us home. God, I praise you. I ask you, Lord, that you'll continue to bless our church and bless churches everywhere. God, that they are longing, oh, longing for your precious anointing. God, for the provisions of the church to increase even now so that we can continue to persevere and accomplish things that, that Lord, unfortunately, we need finances to accomplish but father there are other areas we can work where we don't need a dollar we don't need a penny we don't need a dime we just need a heart and God I pray that we'll capitalize on those moments God that we'll we'll just Lord we'll just uh, reach out by faith and make ourselves available to you by listening to the Holy Spirit God, let this be today a wake-up message, a wake-up call. God, that will not only enter our homes, God, but would go out through this community. And Lord, help others to realize, Lord, just how real, just how important, just how wonderful the grace of God is in such a time as this in every moment of our life. And we praise you for your healing virtue. I pray, God, for those in our body, Lord, in our church body and everywhere, Lord, that your healing virtue would flow into their homes even now, God, that, Lord, the stripes it was bore that provided for our healing, Lord, would just begin to be poured out in manifested wonders of your supernatural grace right now in hospital rooms, in living rooms, God, wherever they may be. Father, I pray for children and grandchildren, wherever they are, asking God that you would, Lord, give the mothers and fathers and grandparents, Lord, the grace and the strength and the wisdom, Lord, of how to navigate in this generation we're living in, how to respond, how to minister, how to raise. Lord, lead us by your Holy Spirit. For God, we can none do it without you. And Lord, as we leave this place today, fathers, we leave this place today, let us hold on to the very truth that we are, amen to God, we are kept by a mighty strong hand. And Father, let us exemplify that. Let us declare that and share it with all those who have an ear and Lord will hear the hope that we have in you. Father, let this coronavirus and all these decisions that have had to be made in order to fight this very battle begin to cease soon.
But Lord, let the church never go back to church as usual. Let us be stronger than ever before. Positioned spiritually and, and even Father in position where we're at carnally to make a difference. We love you today. God, our hearts rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Our prayer is that you will continue to press forward and let the Holy Spirit lead you and keep connecting with the body and that you will let this word be an encouragement to your heart and that you would share with those who are living in a sleepless condition, a, a, a position of sleep concerning this world. Let them know God's grace right now is available. And it won't always be here, but it is right now. And there's no greater hope that you can have before this grace period runs out. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. We hope to see you soon. We're praying for you, our family, and I know that you're praying for ours. And uh, we're looking for that day and longing when soon we'll be back up in here. And I want to see everybody shouting to victory. I want to see them coming up the aisles, dancing and shouting and leaping for you. You ought to be because we got time now to get in God's presence one-on-one. -on -one. Amen in our living rooms and draw near to God. I believe we're going to have a great time when we're able to get back in here. I believe it's going to be a time like we've never seen anywhere in churches everywhere. God bless you. We love you.